Welcome to the Weird Works Podcast. I'm Dr. Christy, your host. Join us for conversations about alternative and sometimes controversial healthcare topics. This podcast will provide the evidence that you need in order to make informed decisions about your health, to empower you with the facts that you need to advocate for your health, and to encourage you that there is hope your body heals. Join us from experts from all things weird, as well as the testimonies of people with stories of radical healing who were once told that perhaps their condition was a death sentence, that they would just need to live with it, or that drugs and invasive surgery were the only answer. Let's get into agreement that if there is something natural and non-invasive that could be helpful, that it could be your first option rather than your last resort. Hello, everybody. It's been a little pause, but we have brought to you another amazing expert today on the Weird Works podcast. We have Danielle Valaris. Did I say that right? You did. Okay, awesome. And we're going to be talking about breast implant disease. And so I'll tell you a little bit about our guest, and then we will just get off on a nerd path like we normally do with our experts, because that's what we do. So Danielle, she's a physician's assistant, and she's the founder of the NavWell Rx Integrated Health Practice. And her practice is great because it integrates (laughs) Western medicine with trauma response, the endocrine system, functional medicine, as well as bodywork therapies. So she's hands-on like we are. So she's been treating autoimmune diseases and people with implantable device-related illnesses, such as BII or breast implant illness. And we'll go on a little bit about that, how breast implants aren't the only implantable device that you need to be cautious about, even though that's become very popular. Um, Her mission has been to inform, treat, and advocate for women who have been diagnosed with breast implant illness. And with the staggering number of women who've been affected by breast implants, Danielle finds great purpose in bringing these critical issues to light. And she emphasizes that the trauma that these women have gone through is unconscionable and the lack of knowledge around devices is immoral. So she actually brings together a group of experts every year through the Breast Implant Health Summit, and they educate and advocate for women around this topic. And so we're going to give you info on how to join her in October on that. So why did I bring Danielle on? Um, First of all, this is kind of a more like controversial subject. Remember, we're always bringing topics to your guys' attention that isn't like in the popular media. Um, We want to be as proactive and bring you cutting edge information before it's popularized. We don't want to wait. But in our practice at Health by Design, I have a number of women who have decided to have this explant surgery. And prior to doing that, you know, they have really struggled with a numerous number, like health, debilitating health issues. And I can tell you that every single one of them that decides to have the surgery has almost immediate improvement. And you said this, Danielle, at the CellCore Summit that we were at, or ECHO Conference that we were both at recently, the same thing, like even sometimes upon waking from surgery. Isn't that crazy? Um, So that's why it's so important to tell you, because I think Danielle and I were talking a little bit before we hit record for your podcast today. And we're just sad when people find us last and have struggled and struggled and been everywhere. And we'll kind of talk about how this isn't always the most easy to diagnose situation either, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Danielle, tell us, how did you get interested in this? Like what happened where this became kind of your focus? Oh, I was forced and arm wrestled into this corner, if you will. And I mean that lovingly, like now it's lovingly and now it is what I do and I can't do anything different, right? Mm-hmm. So I had, I was 48 years old, lost about 40 pounds and things change. Perimenopausal, lost 40 pounds. I was in a, a privileged position where I could actually consider getting breast implants. Mm-hmm. So I did. At that time, I was a research engineer, a field clinical engineer. So, and I worked for pacemakers, defibrillators, ablation kind of company so class three medical devices which which we did I mean like the job was like tedious so breast implants are class three medical device so it's approved I know what it's like to go through an approval process my doctor says it's okay like I interviewed a few and then I got them literally three months in I was like oh I don't feel 
energetic. I don't feel great. My ankle started to swell. I wish we could, I'll send you the pictures or we can use the ones from uh, the presentation, but like things just were happening that were like kind of random and weird and my hair started to fall out, but that could happen because of anesthesia. I am perimenopausal, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you just think all oh, these other things, like it's gotta be, you don't know, you don't know. What you don't know. Right. I went to a chiropractor, you know, um, and they weren't sure my my adjustments weren't healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just was ambiguous. Right. And then I was studying functional medicine and integrative medicine and looking at the timeline. And I was like, I was like spectacular. And yeah. then I wasn't like there was for me a crux. Okay. And it was the breast implant. So I was like, huh. And it took me a year to finally remove them in the capsule. And I was one of those ones who woke up was like, oh my God, it was the breast implants. And I was not on social media and all these things. And uh, it was a colleague who said, "Eh, consider your breast implants. It was a guy colleague, actually. And I was like, they're so full of it. Like, whatever. Yeah. Totally was. And from that, when I woke up that moment on, I I knew that there was more to dig at and to look at and see what we can do about it. Yeah, I think that's so common, like myself and then a number of guests that we've had on here, that they had gone on their own personal healing journey and then just get empowered to help as many other people find the same solution and answers. So it's sad that that had to happen to you, but we're grateful because you're doing amazing work and have done all this awesome research for us. And honestly, my goal, and this, I don't know how this will land, but I want you to, you and everyone else to put this specialty for me out of business like I want to be able to retire when I know it's handled and I'm and we're close we're so close like the whole scope of it with no fear with no judge like like to be able to help what is what it like at least it's more than three million women that are suffering like I talked to someone today um, at the gym and she was like oh she was like, I just, who should I go to for explant? Mine are 20 years old and mm-hmm. um, so-and-so, my dad or family members are going to pay for my explant just because it's time. Yeah. You know, now there's a black box warning and all those things and new guidelines on the FDA website mm-hmm. and things like that. So she's excited to have them removed. And one of my questions was, why well, are you having symptoms? She's like, no, I'm not having symptoms. And I'm like, well, last week, weren't you talking about your gut? She goes, oh yeah, but that's because of my hormones and my IUD and that's right. been removed. And, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and I'm like, okay, so you're having symptoms. And she was still, uh, no, and I'm like, it's okay. What that means to me is like, if there are symptoms mm-hmm. and you have implants, you've got to make sure you remove it all and ideally all in one, right? right? And so that was just, that was the only distinction I was trying to make. And she was just like, I guess I'm having symptoms. But like me, you think you're perimenopausal, 48 years old. You shouldn't be feeling like crap, right? Can I say crap? Well, it's like systemic. You know, the symptoms are not just related to breast. I think that's what traditional medicine has kind of taught people. Like, you know, the symptoms, well, oh, it's my gut. That's a different specialist. That doesn't have to do with a different area of the body. Like we've been taught to kind of think in pieces and parts mentality. And so that becomes difficult to say like, oh my gut, it's related to something, you know, and talk about too, like, this isn't always an easy discovery, right? So like when you're discussing, having a discussion like that with women, isn't it hard for them to confront? Um. Yeah, I was with a um oh, how old, she, over seventy year old lady today. Yeah, and she has saline implants mm-hmm. for over twenty years, mm-hmm. and her daughter, who just explant and explanted and feels great. Yeah, her mom has MS, rheumatoid. You could feel the nodules along each tendon, each nerve line. Wow. Like you can feel the uh, you know the dehydration patterns and different things. It's not necessarily specifically due to the implants, but things are happening in this body. Right. And as practitioners, what are we going to do? We're going mm-hmm. to remove anything that causes oxidative stress right. or inflammation. Right. And one of the main things are implants, especially if they're 20 years old. Like if they're five to seven years old, it's start scheduling at five years when you're going to have those removed because yeah. they are, they are not lifetime devices, you know? 
And yeah, that's it, what I was going to ask you. We can talk about it now because women, do you feel like they're not properly educated on how to care for and monitor their these devices when they're being implanted in the first place? Yeah, if I start to turn red, first yeah. I apologize, but yeah. I get very ha about the yeah. subject. Like, yeah. So let's talk about today, what happens today when you go and you ask for breast implants, like mm -hmm. they're on the market, you can do that. They're all, every single one of them are black box warning labeled, mm -hmm. which is the, the highest risk devices get these. Who sees that label as the plastic surgeons? Yeah. The patient you, never You'll don't. Yeah. The FDA to protect you says, okay, you're going to have to have mm -hmm. um, a, an informed consent checklist. Mm -hmm. These are the adverse events from Mentor, from Allergan, from mm -hmm. Cientra, like, um, all these things and now you now you if you don't get this checklist when you're going for it then the physicians mm -hmm. in uh what do you call it he's in negligence right? right so the fda mandates this list so now everyone today mm -hmm. gets this and they're like oh i still want them okay empower you there are things we can do to keep you safe around this which means an mri in my opinion at three to four year mark. So you mm -hmm. look for that silent rupture, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're replacing these at seven to 10 years minimally. And if you're, mm -hmm. you know, so these are all extra cost, extra surgeries. Yeah. But what happens to the person who has implants? They don't know about, why would, why would I know? I know more that my car lights, uh, that my car has issues because of the airbags or the antifreeze leaks mm -hmm. out or something before mm -hmm. I would know that my breast implants that I currently have have any issues. Right. How many women are out there that have implants know that every implant has issues? Mm -hmm. No one, right? Nope. So there's no healthcare right. provider letter. There's no aha. And that's yeah. what I hope to shine light on in the Breast Implant Health Summit. So yeah, so I get I don't know if I even answered your question. No, but it's just, it's hard to confront. It's kind of what we were saying. Like, it's a hard decision to make. Like, you know, I think it's a hard decision to make to have implants in the first place. There's a lot of emotional reasons and a lot of, you know, like just body image. And there's reasons why women have them. And to make the decision to have them taken out is difficult unless you're really suffering. Oh, well, and that's where we... I don't know anyone's taking them out who isn't suffering, mm -hmm. either mentally or emotionally. So yeah. there's a great book, and I think it's in the other room, and it's actually called Busting Free by Dr. Amanda Brown, which okay. I would love to introduce you to. Okay, She's great. a, um, you know, I, I'm missing the letters of her name, so I apologize, but she works in the psychology um, realm. She also had breast implant implants and illness and had to explant that whole process is yeah. so daunting when all of medicine is telling you they're fine and it's okay it's safe. Mm -hmm. it must be all in your head yeah when, yes that's right uh, that happens so many times yeah how are my kinkles literally this big well, you saw the picture like how yeah. do i literally have like lymphedema in my mm -hmm. legs, my mm -hmm. both knees, meniscus torn, connective tissue issues. Yeah. How is this all happening? Mm -hmm. And it's all in my head. Like it, it's, it's, uh, I'm, you know, where I went was, I must be wrong. Like the science is failing me. Like, yeah. I was like, and, and you have the, I had, not everyone has this, I guess this brain fog. And then when you I don't, I'd love to know from you, like when you have patients who have any kind of inflammation due to anything, right. or oxidative stress, there's a, I, I'm going to use the wrong words, but this is, you know, we're okay to be weird, right? But <laughs> yes, weird works. There's a, when someone has so much inflammation, there's a, what happened for me, there was like a, uh, a lack of confidence. Like I am not, mm -hmm. I am, I'm a confident person. Yeah. So I felt like I still had confidence, like, cause I felt like I knew who I was or whatever. But when we have inflammation, 
forget about what the world is telling us mm-hmm. like there's a there's a bringing in like and uh, uh I, all I can say is it feels like like my personality went away right. because I was trying to stay safe because I didn't feel safe right but I didn't know I didn't feel safe so those are even wrong words so that's yeah I think it's like a lack of conviction you know because conviction comes with like experience and so like your confidence gets shaken because what you know becomes shaken you know you know what it was like to feel to be healthy and active and feel well but now you're suddenly in a body that doesn't feel well and it's not obvious right it's not obvious that this happened and then this happened so yeah it just shakes you and I feel like a lot of times like where your physical tone goes your emotional tone will follow yeah and I'll arm wrestle you. It might even be vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. Yeah, for some, right? Yeah. Chronic illness is, I mean, maybe that's another day. <laughs> yeah, another <But> follow-up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. So you lose, I lost this sense of self mm-hmm. in a way. And I apologize, I don't necessarily have the words. Okay. So work was not seeing the Danielle showing up, like places mm-hmm. weren't. And, and it was like, mm-hmm. huh. And I didn't know that I was landing that way because I was still waking up, doing the things, still had joy, maybe not as much energy in doing the joy, right? but like I still loved what I did and da 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 da. but there was like this flatness that comes across. Yeah. Kind of this underlying thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I call that inflammation Mm -hmm. because once that inflammation was gone, you know, yeah, and you know, maybe it's oxidative stress maybe it's interleukin like who knows what exactly that shift was but um but yeah. it gets lifted right it does yeah it got it got lifted when mm-hmm. the breast implants left yeah and and then three months later for me I had another I had a dip like oh my god like wait I still feel horrible mm-hmm. but that dip didn't last a year it lasted like three days or maybe seven days like and and so for me the time to the dip expanded over time and then it was a less intense dip and so on and so on and And then then it kept going yeah yeah. that's awesome and we'll talk in a minute too like about after explant or leading up to explant like the proper treatments and things you can do to help facilitate detox because we both love all that um so then why is this such a problem I guess to help kind of get us into like the science and all the words you know are implants more dangerous now than they used to be like why all the attention and focus on it so uh, i i would be glad to send you the slide too like there's uh i'm setting you up (laughs) yeah no no it's it's cool because like like all this was like i wouldn't call it necessarily christmas but like all this was so freaking eye-opening for me as I was like why 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 mm-hmm. like thank god my curiosity came back right like right like why 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 and then how do we help right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and you got the aha of the like we're learning how to help and I've already been doing it for a year and a half so mm-hmm. blah 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 anyway five years but um re- reground me here because this is okay. so exciting well our implants different now than they used to be like people might think like oh mine are safe because I had them before only the people that are having them now are having issues like I never heard of breast implant disease or explant especially if you have saline they should be fine right it's not silicone safer yeah do you want to talk about ingredients (laughs) the shell is silicone every implant even Mm -hmm. the new ones about to come out have the same issues it's it's the shell right so you have silicone in multi-molecular uh, structures and mm-hmm. they're bound together. Man bound them together. Mm-hmm. So whenever man makes anything or woman makes anything, like it, there's there's fallibility in there and it's not as tight as we had hoped, right? Mm-hmm. So they can break apart. Mm-hmm. These things are called polymer, polymers. Mm-hmm. We also call them siloxanes. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about silicone, I talk about it with the big E versus mm-hmm. the N. The N is like quartz and sand and, you know, like. Yeah. 
natural stuff. Like what's on the periodic table. (laughs) Right. That's silicone with an N. Yeah. (laughs) Which is oddly enough, right under carbon. Mm -hmm. Right. So you imagine how the affinity could be for them both. We'll let some other engineers talk about all of that kind of stuff. Right. But um, uh, the silicone with an E to make the shell has to be paired with a catalyst. For the most part, that's platinum and sometimes tin, right? And this is the data we have is from 2006, two, early 2000s, the range, depending on which company you are. Okay. So this, when you add a catalyst, it makes the rubber, it makes it more solid, mm-hmm. but you're trying to cross-link things. And so mm-hmm. just like leaky gut, right? Like yeah. you can have a tight gut or sometimes cross links can look a little bit like this. Like right. I'm using a metaphor folks, right? So if there's engineers listening, but yeah. you see the gaps. Yeah. And now they, so they know about these gaps. Like the companies say, Hey, we know this stuff gets out mm-hmm. into the human body from an intact shell. Mm-hmm. So let's make different envelopes. And so this is where the generation comes in. Okay. The first generation, uh, uh 1960s are very sturdy shells right they don't really feel great and they cause things called capsular contracture so if if these are implants implants can end up looking like this or like this or you know so they wanted to make that go away so they start to make that shell softer Mm -hmm. and then you get into the fourth and the fifth generations and it shifts especially in the in the fifth generation which is around the year 2000 Okay. So while the first generations might have caused all these things, mm-hmm. they also were, well, they still leaked, maybe less leaky, less shedding, mm-hmm. less sloughing is what I call it, right? Because mm-hmm. like if these crosslinks were weak, mm-hmm. then something would happen. And as that happens, the shell becomes permeable mm-hmm. where things from the contents within the shell can Mm -hmm. get out but if things can get out they can come back in right right and so when areas i again i hate this word moist Mm -hmm. but grows in a moist area that should be dry Mm -hmm. and a very uh, glandular lymphatic nerve area system which are meant to really breastfeed and give life right like these are there's so many hormones here and I digress. So here's a here's an area where you have a, the ability for things to grow. Your regular bacteria, mm-hmm. your your molds, your fungus that maybe were put in there, mm-hmm. or maybe there was, you know, like we don't know about this, but this creates a biofilm. Yeah. That we will at the summit we'll actually talk mm-hmm. about what they're finding in the biofilm, and um and then what we can do about it. But oh, I get so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's also a, a sub, like, I feel like sometimes when I talk about, it, I have a little PTSD because I'm like, why wouldn't they know this? Yeah. Why, why wouldn't they like, how is this? This is not like, I joke and say, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. And if I can figure this out, like other people should be able to, too. So long story short, um, the, the older generations might be less permeable, but like the mm-hmm. lady I saw today, she's had it in for 20 years. Mm-hmm. She's she's only coming to the conclusion that maybe it's our breast implants now. Right. Right. And, and then you look at the people who have their breast implants around 2000 to now, mm-hmm. they seem to get sicker faster, especially when they have, it's not so much the silicone inside as much as the, the new generation shell. So the saline mm-hmm. and then, uh, the silicone got put back on the market. So now we're seeing a lot of the gel, the gummy bears, the feel, the ones that feel real and physiological mm-hmm. and stuff. They have a lot more chemicals on the inside. And if the shell is permeable and flowing in and out, then that can also get out. Right? Yeah. How are they ever allowed back on the market? Oh, I know you're going to get red. red You're going to get red. It just seems crazy to me. It's like birth control. Like the same thing happened with estrogen. And then it got put back on the market after they knew it caused cancer and all these problems. The same with the implants. Like, I don't know how silicone ever got put back on the market. We'll be back after this message.
One out of eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. Come here, Dr. Christie present on 10 years of research and share her personal story. Her discussion will include tips on nutrition, skincare, cosmetics, toxic exposures, genetics, hormones, stress, and more. Come join us at the Breast Cancer Awareness Health Fair on October 29th at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Register now at healthbydesignfl.com forward slash breast dash health. Yeah, so I'm going to try to be the field cl clinical engineer, okay. right? It's 2000, maybe it's 2000, let's say, late 90s. I'm going to develop a protocol because my implants were just, silicon implants were off the market. I need to prove to the FDA that they're okay, mm -hmm. right? I have to pass some threshold of testing. Yeah. I have a hard time with this, so I just need to win it. It's okay. So I'm going to write a protocol that shows how my implants do. And ideally, I follow this protocol. So I put these implants in women who have um, augmentation, which is for cosmetic reasons, maybe revision for augmentation. Reconstruction are usually for some abnormality and or cancer. Reconstruction revision is for cancer. And you're revisiting, like you're changing them out or what have you. Yeah. And so, like, I need to report on all of these women and how they do. Excuse me. Um, what's intriguing, before we even get to that part, is you have to do this, should do some animal testing, should do some, like, biocompatibility testing. And so... In 2000, like I'll, I'll, I'll arm wrestle, wrestle them like, okay, 2000, maybe we didn't know what we know today, right? How they did biocompatibility testing. I just feel all the hair on my arms just standing up is they tested one implant, their smallest one in a vat of serum. Uh, if we use Allergan as an example, it's bovine mm -hmm. serum okay. for 90 days at 37 degrees, which is 98 something Fahrenheit body temperature. Mm -hmm. Right. And we all know our body stays just stable, <laughs> just like that. No friction, mm -hmm. no enzymes, no anything. Yeah, no movement. No, no. no macrophages, no monocytes, no mm -hmm. interleukin, you know, like no side right. effects. We know, okay, we know our body stays just like this. Yeah. And then they say, oh, what came out of that shell was... And they have a list on the FDA website and then for every company, right? Mm -hmm. What was in abundance was silicone, small and large molecular weight and platinum and tin. There were some other things too, mm -hmm. all within their own right, depending on the oxidative state, blah, 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 blah can cause disruption in the body. Um, but they said, oh, these are all inert and their oxidative state is zero. And so we should be fine. And so that was the premise. And until that date, it wasn't until the 90s that we thought free silicone was bad, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the data is all overlapping at this time. And so they start to study, uh, each company had their own number of women that they studied. And they're supposed to study for 10 years. Mm -hmm. But each year, women would drop off and not follow up. Why? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, we don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to be the good field person. You're keeping it, it, yeah. <laughs> trying to keep it real. We don't know. science. <laughs> At the end of the day, they didn't have the end yeah. that they needed. And so the FDA said, well, what we see so far is okay. Mm -hmm. Besides, y'all look good. You look good. I was a little bit going for the jugular. But most people were happy with the aesthetics, but they didn't ask the, all these other questions. What was your yeah. ANA? What was your thing? And there, there were these adverse events, which I'll gladly send you a chart for. Um, but when you look at the short-term data, it didn't prove it was unsafe. Right. It didn't necessarily prove it was safe either. So the FDA says, let's extend this to a post-market approval study mm -hmm. and let's get the numbers, right? And, you know, they're selling like hotcakes. So 
you know, at like three, 400, half a million a year, you should have your numbers shortly and follow. That means the patient is the experiment at that point. I'll say, I'll be the non-field person. I'll give the non-field commentary. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So let's continue to follow, collect the data. And this happens. And, and on some level, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm not okay with the biocompatible compatibility testing that they did in 2000, mm -hmm. you know, nineties, this, we, we knew better. Right. Like you come on, like the, the, you get no slack from me on that, yeah. but okay, let's follow up. Well, they didn't follow up. And in 2000, I'm going to get many years wrong. It was either 2000, I think 19, we all met in front of the FDA mm -hmm. and the numbers were just low. So all the, the there's um, all the manufacturers, for one reason or another, got something called a 483, which is like a slap on the wrist. Like you didn't do this. We said you were going to do this. And they're like, oh, but lost a follow-up. We couldn't do that. If all I know from my personal experience, this isn't from everybody, as a field clinical engineer in a pacemaker company, if I had a one loss to follow-up, like I'd be lucky if I still had my job the next year. So they took it seriously. That's not no, so serious. Like yeah like I'm not exaggerating right? right and then if you had x percentage of loss mm -hmm. eh, right so you made sure the people mm -hmm. were engaged and and things like that so they didn't meet the end game measures and yet they're still on the market so the compromise I think for mm -hmm. me and this is my interpretation I'm not an official was like okay let's give informed consent let's put a black box label on these things Got and it. let's move forward with this and that's kind of what we did with tobacco yeah right so people can still buy cigarettes right yeah now it's at your own risk it's a decision that you make yeah so let's Sorry. hope we're fully informed so I, I i know that went a little long but no it's fine i because people are gonna ask the same questions and have the same skepticism. And so I'm trying to ask questions enough to help give people information to go continue doing their own research even after this conversation, you know, so that they can be informed because obviously we know part of the problem, a big part of the problem is like, you can't make an informed decision if you don't know all the facts and it's really hard to untangle the facts and so that's yeah. a big mission on the weird works podcast is to give them enough of the information that is difficult to find in the mainstream and honestly and i'll while i would love to see the fda do more better different yeah their website should be enough to make you go hmm yeah or right. can i i won't cuss but or oh please yeah. you know like yeah. we should, like, what do I, what do I, what they haven't facilitated is what you, what you should do now if you have implants yeah. and there's, there's hope folks. I mean, there's more than hope, right? Like yeah. there's, there's being, things we can do that yeah. are being developed right now. Yeah. And, um, yeah. we'd love to give people like, uh, <laughs> like portion yeah. of all of this. Well, let's talk a little bit. So what's real to people is what they might be experiencing. So let's, um, talk about some of the impacts of these toxic chemicals and whether they rupture or you just have like silent leakage or whatnot. Like, how would somebody listening start to think like, oh, maybe I am symptomatic? Want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So every person with implants has silent leaking, mm -hmm. gel bleed, shell shedding. Mm -hmm. um we all we just have this it's 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 just because of the man-made product right and that can't be seen on imaging let's be clear on that also right until it gets to a point okay and then you can see things right so um there's a doctor by the name of eduardo flore out of sao paulo brazil he's mm -hmm. a radiologist on like he does oncology radiology and his new well, it's not new, it's been since 2015, passion is to read imaging, breast implant imaging, the integrity of the implant. Mm -hmm. So there are all these signs you can see if it's ruptured, right? Yeah. But he's found a way to look at silicone-induced granulomas within this breast implant. You have the breast implant, then you have the capsule that's formed. So he looks between that. Mm -hmm. And if you have what they call a silicone-induced granuloma, that is an inflammatory cascade. Right. It just is, yeah. right? And as functional medicine, as people, mm -hmm. first-line therapy, what do we do? Let's decrease your inflammation. Let's decrease the load. Let's decrease the da-da-da-da. 
So we know that it's in his work, we know that it's tied to silicone. Got it. In other people's work, we know that the silicone doesn't always stay within this breast implant and capsule. We know it mm -hmm. migrates this way. Right. right. So right. this is always happening. Can your body handle the things? Well, that's up to your body. And that's where we talk about drainage and support and the different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, your lymph nodes are right next to it. So if your lymph nodes are doing what they're supposed to do to try to, you know, detoxify, but like what you're saying is it's really like all these other factors, like how much stress is the body under? What's your diet and lifestyle? Like, what are you doing to facilitate detox? Do you have an infrared sauna at your home? Do you, you know, are you, are you on your phone like this, yeah, which you're your closing in your thoracic outlet and your brachial uh -huh. plexus. And yeah. if this starts to build up, are you really going to be able to drain yeah. your brain? Are you going to be able to, you know, like, uh, like I do manual therapy, mm -hmm. um, and, and so the, like, I'm feeling the back of my neck going, you feel pretty good. Yeah. But sometimes it feels doughy or full. Yeah. It's because things aren't flowing. So where's, where's the stop? Sometimes the stop is the gut, right? But yeah. in breast implants, like, it's, it's mm, I was going to say, especially under the muscle, but um, there, it's a different, it's a different feeling, but when they're under the muscle and they cut the mm -hmm. pec, yeah and and depending on the size like this weight alone pulls everything down right right and you feel fine but it pulls this down yeah. so this gets tight mm -hmm. and then it gets it can get doughy and then the sternum can get doughy and so if mm -hmm. it can't you know your lymph moves up mm -hmm. from your feet but mm -hmm. if you can't take a full breath and we get maybe another breath podcast breath. but anyway like there's yeah. just a structural uh, potential impingement on there too. And then you think about stress on top of that. What do we do? We contract. And when mm -hmm. we contract, we don't allow oxygen or fluid. And, mm -hmm. and if your lymph are in a contractive state, you can't release. You can't carry stuff away. If you can't carry, you can't supply. And your mm -hmm. lymph goes through all the endocrine system and it picks up what it, you don't need and it carries it to the next or not. But if you can't do that, then you start to have an endocrine disruption. Right. And it's not just an estrogen disruption. It's it's part of that as well. But then anyway, there's so much to say about that. Well, so like I know in our practice, when we're able to help women make the decision, usually what we see is like chronic pain syndromes, right? Because of this doughy like lymph stagnation and inflammation fatigue sometimes extreme fatigue and yeah. with that like brain fog not just a little like I lost my keys or haha I'm a little forgetful but like sometimes inability to like perform worried like are my kids in the car where did I leave them like scary stuff um bloating so you already kind of mentioned the gut people don't necessarily think breast implant is, is going to cause gut issues and along with that comes like multiple food and chemical sensitivities. So if you're just like sensitive to everything, um, those are the biggest symptoms we see. Is there anything in addition to that list that you see on the regular? Heard uh, those are the biggest the symptoms. symptoms. Yeah. So yeah. anything in addition to that list that you are seeing? No, uh, you know, there is... I think what you mentioned are are key factors and they also fit so many other issues, right? Yeah. Um, I think if I had to group everything, if you have an implantable device, mm -hmm. right now we're talking about breast implants, but if you have dental, if you have an IUD, which technically is a drug, not an implantable device, if you have a mesh, mm -hmm. if you have eShore, if you have breast implants, penile implants, any implant, and you have these symptoms and your chiropractic adjustment doesn't hold mm -hmm. your um you go to western medicine and you don't everything is like you're fine let's say right. even your a and a and you know homocysteine all this is fine yeah. you know maybe you see a big big b12 and you're like you have a high b12 and you're not taking supplements like mm -hmm. you know like when everything is sort of generally okay and you have no answers consider it might be that your implantable the 
devices disrupting your regulation, mm -hmm. nervous system, endocrine, like all of the things. And I'm not going to remove a pacemaker, but right. I'm going to support what your body needs to do to have that pacemaker so you can live the best life possible. Exactly. You can do that with breast implants. And mm -hmm. the empowering thing is the difference is the the shedding and the secretion, like just mm -hmm. know that. And in, in the, we're living in a world of a pandemic and flu and different things. So know that each inflammatory hurdle, if you're getting through it the way you like to get through it, great. Yeah. If you're not, then, then there's a conversation around how to support you with that implantable device. Yeah, that's a good point. So I like the, what the point that you made too, is that you know, if you're not responding the way you used to, to your self-care regimen or whatever health program you're on, you're not getting the same results that you once did or that you expect or that your practitioner expects, it's time to start investigating further, right? Oh, absolutely. In, in mm -hmm. fact, in my dream world, every practitioner should already know, do you have an yeah. implantable device, breast yeah. implants, like ask the specific questions. Oh. I would never think of a a dental implant to be an implantable device, like use the language that's geared for your patient to understand, Right. you know, right. just like if you ask them, if you've had surgeries to have you had a hysterectomy, I remember my rotation as a PA, they're yeah. like, ah, I don't, I think I'm fine. I don't think I've had that surgery. But then when you go in and you look and you assess, you're like, yeah, there's not a cervix here. What's a cervix? You know, oh, I had that female part taken out years ago. You know, uh -huh. like, so yeah, we, we need to be aware. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for um, sure. And there's a drain. I mean, your body's going to take that and protect you from that. Mm -hmm. And if it's protecting you from a pacemaker, that's, you know, it's okay. But what can you do to, to help bring homeostasis and and energy to all of that right exactly yeah like you said you know there's a time and place for both traditional and non-traditional um and it's just knowing how to work together to get the best of both worlds and sometimes yeah. they're in conflict with each other they really can be in conflict with each other but oh, for sure things that can be done if that's an inevitable situation like sometimes for us there's patients that are on medications that we can't touch you know, they are maybe have to be on them at least for now until their body chemistry, lifestyle, diet, and health factors improve, and then we can explore. Um, and so sometimes we just have to work around that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and like, clean it up. Or, or think. Let, let's even think about it from a, a person or a patient perspective, client right. pr perspective. Yeah. I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. I have three kids. Mm -hmm. And okay, the trajectory is take take mastectomy. Like there's so many different yeah. realms, right? Exactly. I'm not ready for this. I gotta be here for my family. Like, oh my God, like breast mm -hmm. cancer. The, I don't even know how to be with that. I hope I never have to be with that. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, but that's okay. We'll we'll get you ready when we do the mastectomy to have breast implants. We'll do expanders mm -hmm. and then we'll give mm -hmm. you, you know, your final set mm -hmm. before or after radiation, yeah. let alone they've never been studied expanders or the permanent set during radiation and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I was that person, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here and thank you for taking care of me, whoever the N is. Yeah. And then now, wait a minute, I'm so tired. My hair is still falling out. Is that the chemo? Is that the radiation or is it the breast implants? Right. You know, like, how do you support that person or the person who has such mast cell and pots mm -hmm. that they're not even well enough to meet you in your office? Right. Like, you know, like there's, what do we do? What do we do for that population? Like you mm -hmm. can't, it's not so cut and dry to be like, oh, I'm going to remove them. You know, right. like I'm five years out. So it's easy to be like, oh, I removed them. It took, yeah. you know, it took almost a year to come to that consideration. Yeah. Um, so support, there's still things we can do to support that person mm -hmm. to best achieve a well-being that they are okay with right. until they can explant. And maybe they never choose to explant. I hope they do, but. 
Yeah. We have women who choose not to, you know, and we're just very open and honest that like maybe there's some, you know, it's up to them what level of health they're trying to achieve or willing to accept, you know, certain symptoms. I know one situation, um, the woman had severe eczema, psoriasis. I mean, patches of skin were falling out, itching. We did everything. Like we test for chemical toxins. We test for heavy metals. We test for pesticides and Lyme and co-infections and food sensitivities. Eliminate it all. Get around the proper protocol to heal all that and detoxify. Support the body in all the potential ways possible. You know, she's changed her hair care products not dyeing the hair like using organic everything and like the symptoms are better but still never completely go away and you just have to be honest with the patient like this might be your level of health until you consider having it we'll be back after this message Are you tired of going from diet to diet to come up short and feel worse than you did when you started? Or are you just lost with all the mixed messaging out there today and not sure what's best for you and your lifestyle? Maybe you were told that you had to live with your symptoms and accept feeling less than your typical vibrant self. Well, I'm here to tell you the truth. As a practicing doctor of chiropractic, kinesiology, and clinical nutrition, I see people all the time that are just like you frustrated and starting to lose hope. But I do want you to know that you do not have to give up on the you that you know you could be. There is a way to truly achieve optimal health and also to live your life. I want to share with you how by doing some small doable adjustments and taking on a new approach to enjoyable and non-restrictive eating, we can help you start feeling better and begin to see changes in your waistline and start releasing weight in as little as 14 days. Yeah. And just to, just cause this is a weird podcast, right? Yeah. Like what we don't have now is data to say, if you remove them, this will all get better. Like right. then I can retire when we have that. Right. Like when we know that there'll be an improvement, right? By the time you have the diagnosis of an autoimmune issue, or some formal diagnosis you still can have vitality mm -hmm. and you can have less pain and things like that but you may never stop that autoimmunity like the 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 label of such because the the antibodies are still are present yeah. like not everybody is allergic to their implants mm -hmm. not everybody gets mm, so I don't even know if this statement is true, like antibodies to the silicone and the things. Right. But when you do, you know, the trouble begins. You'll see people who they don't have trouble until they get their second set, mm -hmm. right? Until you've opened up that capsule and let more free and you already have antibodies. So now you've got a newer generation in the, yeah. in the things. But like um, opening up the drainage pathways, making sure everything else is optimized really gives people the edge. Yeah. And if you don't get the edge with that, like it's, you know, the diagnosis of exclusion, like this is yeah. the road to consider. And some people aren't ready for that. Right. Uh, but yeah, mm, it's a tough one. It is tough. Well, and then like you just said, another thing that kind of sparked, can any surgeon remove it? So let's talk about women who are, maybe they've already made a decision and they're exploring who can help and assist them through this explant process. How do they find a qualified surgeon and what's important questions to ask the surgeon that it's done correctly? Yeah. Um, so I only a, have big questions for you today. I know. So there's a there's a site, I think it's called breastimplantillness.com. Soon the Breast Implant Health Summit will have resources yeah. for us or now Volarex. We'll, we'll put all the resources that you mentioned in the show notes for the for the listeners to go easily click on them too. Yeah. The go to Breast Implant Health Summit and we'll yeah. we'll do our if you if, if you don't find the information, like do the chat thing and I'll get the email or Terry okay, Diaz will cool. get the email and we'll we'll do our best to facilitate. There is a another website called breastimplantillness.com and they have a explant surgeon list that um I, I honestly don't know exactly how they vetted the list, 
but okay. they have it in, in nice categories like these explant only they don't put the implants in anymore these might do both mm -hmm. i don't know how often this list is updated but i was just on there the other day and it was a robust list okay in my world It's so funny because there's there's data out there that's like, oh, that talks about all the different ways you can do this. In my personal experience, because three years after I had a seroma, and when they removed the seroma, they then labeled it a bursa because it was a little thick and a little bigger. They found silicone in that, that seroma, that bursa capsule. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that my plastic surgeon removed all my capsule. Okay. Right. So if that's the case, you know, like I, I, I'm learning how to think about this, then there's still silicone in the system. Right. So you, we, I would, if one can do this because they're all over the U S all over the world, really, if you can go to one of the ones that explant only, they're so much more experienced in removing it all out at one time and identifying the capsule. The th like there's a whole theory on if you have thin capsule, it's not a good catcher's mitt. Or if you have a thick capsule, maybe that can hold the silicone in more. So I would go to a most experienced explant only person if I could do it again. Okay. And there are some great plastic surgeons that still implant, but also explant that can take, ideally you want to, take it all out, the capsule and the implant together. So if you have a silent rupture or texture that doesn't spill out into the system, right. um, there's there's a school of thought out there that says that's not needed. Like in my world, that's optimal. And then the at the very end of the day, you wanna get all the capsule and all the silicone out so you don't have trouble later. Yeah. Um, and that still needs, um, proper investigation like what's out there to date is not enough right we have one one of the patients who's going to be on the panel um that we're gonna i don't know photo this all together somehow with our video experts um she's going to share pictures of her capsule and implant when it was removed oh, nice. you can like see the granulomas and cyst-like activity and infected tissue she literally they had to scrape muscle off of her rib cage it was yeah. so affected and what we're talking about like how to find a proper surgeon that knows how to remove the disease tissue is so important because there are doctors who take that infected tissue to try to rebuild a, something that looks like a breast and they're leaving the infection and all the disease and toxins in women's bodies and so if you've had an explant and you thought you had it done right or had a good surgeon and your symptoms didn't miraculously go away upon waking from surgery you need to find out what was really still done because if they rebuilt breast tissue with that that is very dangerous yeah and on the flip side again I'll try to be the yeah a good good <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but the <laughs> breast implant, like if these are your, if these are ribs, yeah. there's intercostal space here. Yeah. The breast implant sits right here, mm -hmm. right behind this mm -hmm. millimeter tissue is your lung mm -hmm. and your heart. Mm -hmm. So if you, oops, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Like right. it's so narrow. It's easy to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a life threatening, very risky thing. And not everyone not every plastic surgeon is experienced enough to delicately remove that ca that capsule. Yeah. Um, there's a myth where they say, oh, we'll just burn <laughs> it off. It'll just, your body will, uh, you know, reabsorb it. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> like we have, well, then why, why isn't our body absorbing the capsule that we have? Right, exactly. Like, I think that hit me hard on the, the uh -huh. ECO conversation, I was just like, oh, like, yeah. how is, how do we even like accept that this is a conversation? Yeah. So, so you want to go to someone who's done numerous of these, right? I think the only time I can think about just removing the implant mm -hmm. from the capsule is if you can't tolerate the mm -hmm. anesthesia and the things like, and you, you need to get better and better before you can get that all out. I have a client who had her, uh, she had a beautiful end block mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. all out in one. Mm-hmm. And, and she has either capsule remnants or scar tissue left behind. And she still has issues. Right. So the, the new frontier is what do we do with that? Yeah. You know, and I know that mine was removed and I had silicone. So, and when you have inflammation and silicone together, I think that's a cascade of mm-hmm. disadvantageous um, symptoms for the body. Right. And I know after surgery, like we have patients who had it that are drastically better, but like maybe rashes still persist. There's still some cleanup work to be done, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you still have yeast overgrowth. You still have like the arm wrestle. I can't wait to define. Mm -hmm. I am not some, yeah, we have all these chemicals in the breast implants and yes, we have metals. Like I'm someone who before I had explanted, my arsenic was so high. And then literally two weeks after it went really low. Mm-hmm. So what I think about the breast implants is it meth- messes up our methylation, our detoxification pathways. Mm-hmm. And so once removed, you can facilitate those, but sometimes we need the push, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I cringe at the word detox. I like nourishing nutrient riching opening up the drainage pathways and feeding the mitochondria before during and after explant like there's some supplements depending on what people are on that you want to stop so you don't have extra breathing and breathing bleeding or high heart rate and blood pressure and things like that but like i would do all that and sometimes that's where the the juice, the miracles happen. Like you don't mm-hmm. need a detox. You don't need a push. You don't need to always prescribe folate and B12 or like open the drainage pathways, give the mitochondria what they need and sleep. And, and that's, this sounds so easy, but it's not as easy. It's right? a process. Yeah. And I always do like to say that, like, do you want to talk about just for expectation, like pre and post implant, like what is like a, realistic like therapy time Uh, yeah I there's a there's a there's uh some people said for every year it's a month Mm -hmm. I did not find I don't find that to be consistent okay I think um honest I'm going through all like the clients right everyone's journey is totally different which can be the answer too yeah yeah um i let me rephrase the 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 hardest part is when you get some of the symptoms back or you don't get as well as your expectations were yeah so if you could manage or not have the expectations i think one does better like when when my symptoms of like brain fog and like the the vibrations in the body or the not sleeping yeah like when that came back after three months of feeling like what felt like bliss that's another thing I'd like to talk about too so I'll hold this finger up yeah like um it scared me that I made the wrong decision I didn't do the right thing maybe it's not this maybe it's and that spin starts and I think other people have the spin but I called mine the BII spin Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the symptoms went away, whether it was three days or a week later, and then they didn't show up again for a while. Yeah. And then they showed up again and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't get it right. And da, 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 da. like be, be aware of your thought processes, like in hindsight, like at the mm-hmm. fifth year mark, I'm like, oh, like the, um, I didn't get it right. I'm not good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I did it wrong. Like all these things were showing it at my lowest. Mm. And, and that was a beautiful mirror for me to be able to be like, oh, I should visit this in a healthy state and see where that takes me now. Yeah. So now if, and when I get a flare, which is hardly ever, like now I can drink alcohol. So if I have like one too many, if you will, then I don't sleep well and then I'll get a flare and I can just be like, oh, I don't go south. I don't go like I was stupid. I did it wrong. I did it. Right. Like, yeah. So. You don't have to go through that whole self-deprecation thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think at least for me, uh, it is BII, we do. People don't believe us anyway. We're costing yeah. our families all this money and all this hardship. Yeah. And if you have BII and mold or BII and mold and lime or 
EBV, like it's, it's a, it's, it's a journey for us to withhold, not withhold, but behold, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, so yeah, managing the expectations is a big thing. And so it's not like, you know, I would love to say, like what I tell clients is like, it can be night and day, right? So the, the finger holding, the Delta is like, I felt like crap. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't feel like crap. Yeah. And then this level of not feeling like crap was still not like able to go out and eat real food and do the things and, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. so then I realized, wait, this dealt like I'm all better was not all better. Right. It was just better. And right. so we don't have an objective measure for that in the literature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, so I would rather manage the person's expectations and mm-hmm. let's, let's see what happens and let's prepare you for the best. And the best you can do is open up your drainage pathways, mm-hmm. which is emotional, which is digestion, which is liver, which is kidneys, which is sweat, which is breath, which is defecation, like all of these things. Yeah and be open to see what's so and that's that's a hard journey Mm -hmm. right and yeah so much just so much since each you know each case is unique and multifactorial there is no one answer cure all kind of a thing and that's how our medicine is in the anyway it doesn't matter if we're talking about leaky gut or breast implant disease that is how we are as humans we're unique and individual and we need a customized approach and that's what's cool about working with you know docs like me and danielle and other awesome practitioners across the world that get get it you know and want to be root cause and help with healing your body from the inside out and moving you towards optimal wellness not just treating the symptoms so yeah well, let's leave it on a high note. Do you want to share like one of the most outstanding or life transforming success stories after explant? There's something well, a case, yeah. That's I have out. to say it was the one that I presented with yeah. at ECO where like she just explanted in June and she just brought um yeah, she just brought another person in for uh, assessment. Like Good. you know, is she still going through hurdles and not hurdles, but like there's a new lease on life and a new level of activity. Like, Mm -hmm. so when I see that, no matter where from here to whether like there's no, I don't successes. Oh, it's so like when the person all successes really. Yeah. No, seriously. Right. Like it just depends. The non-successes are the ones who, there's so much fear around all of this, yeah. right? So the success yeah. is when you choose to do something because you choose to do something empowered with the, the, the thought process and the, the, the decision-making and the, the healing that might have to come through, yeah. right? Like when you, when you cross that threshold mm-hmm. and, um, and that threshold could be whether you choose to explant or not explant. But when you powerfully choose, honestly, that's the success. I love it. Um, and then when you do what I have seen, there are some people who have explanted, very few that have gotten worse, like three months they've enjoyed and then mass cell or all these things. But they usually have concomitant issues like mold and Lyme and, right. or emotional stress that they haven't been able to release, right? Mm-hmm. The success comes in the release. And for some, it's the explant. For some, it's the choice that I'm keeping them because I'm keeping them. And then you deal, you, you, you deal with you one-on-one. Mm-hmm. That's where the vitality's had, like in the body and in the mind. And um, I wish I had a different way to say it, but it's yeah, the choice. Great. It's the empowered choice. I think that's amazing. No, that's even better. I love that answer yeah it's true there's so much information of course her I think Danielle and I could chat about this topic forever um but um do you want to tell how the listeners if they do need to learn more or how they connect with you um yeah so 
So a big goal is to support this community in any way we can. And mm -hmm. one of them is through something called the Breast Implant Health Summit. Mm -hmm. So whether you keep your implants or you explant or you do the things like what is what would be your informed consent to all of this right so there's we just we just extended it to four days because there's so many new publications and practitioners wanting to help That's people cool. with breast implants next year we'll go into implantable devices like meshes and stuff mm -hmm. so breastimplanthealthsummit.com you can do the chat or email myself or, okay. or terry and we can give you more like one-on-one -on -one information but what I'd love to share is that if you have breast implants or BII, mm -hmm. the goal is to get your community aware of this, right? Yeah. So if you get your, you know, your doctor or your chiropractor, your massage therapist or your yoga mm -hmm. practitioner mm -hmm. to begin to understand that breast implant implants can have an impact on the health, have them register for the summit, then like you end up getting discounts to come in. And eventually if you get three of your local practitioners to, it doesn't really have to be local, but my goal is that you are supported, then you can come to the health summit for free, right? Awesome. So, yeah. I love it. We definitely will put that link in the show notes as well. And then when we share it, we'll put it, you know, all of our socials so that you guys should be able to find and share that. Um, like wildfire. So this will be our first in the series on breast implant illness. Um, you guys all know Breast Health Awareness Month is October. And then we have our big breast health um, awareness health fair. It's like our seventh annual one. And we'll have all local vendors, thermography, um, the HER scan, ourselves, I don't know, lymph drainage people, all sorts of beautiful people um, that will be local. So if you're in the Jacksonville area, we'll put the date for the health fair so you can come and attend with us as well. Can you give me that information? We'll post it on the summit site because. Yeah, absolutely. And then we speak, like I'll speak. I always update, you know, like the last 20 years of research on breast cancer um, factors. It doesn't matter if you have cancer, you're at a risk factor. You just want to prevent cancer or, you know, you just want some information even to advocate for somebody else, you're a caregiver, we kind of cover all aspects of it. Yeah. So leading up to the health fair in the whole month of October, this will be our first podcast launch. And then we'll have success stories from other women who have had explants. And then we'll end the month with our big local health fair. Nice. And I think your summit will be right before the health fair. So we'll share. You guys will learn all sorts of beautiful things all month long. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Christie. Yeah. Thank you for being part of the Weird Works podcast. We're signing off for now. Until the next episode, be well, everybody. Your health and how you feel on a daily basis directly impact your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. We will help you reprogram your way of thinking and be on a plan that works for your body instead of against it. It is time to rewrite the false belief that health abnormalities are normal and that it just is what it is. You do not have to live with feeling less than 100%. We invite you to take a serious look at how you feel on a day-to-day -day basis. Is what you're doing working? Do you want to learn how to live a more holistic life that's still enjoyable and fun? The 90-10 lifestyle can be the bridge from subpar results to the vibrant and abundant lifestyle that you've been looking for. So click the link by this video so you can get started today. We truly, truly know that this program can change your life. We'll see you on the inside.